Across Hollow, Episode 16, Your Other. I feel energized now, healthier. The rain satisfies an ancient thirst within me. My skin is spongy from drinking the water. I have the stamina to push myself up the hills using the tree roots to find purchase. I lift myself quickly, taking shortcuts across a winding mountain road and following the moss instead. Whoa. There's a break in the trees. I look across the curve in the ridge and I see it. A huge swath of dark tire tracks over a treeless flat mountaintop. The mine. I haven't been up there since high school on a dare. Suddenly, the temperature drops. Wind rushes down the valley. I gotta move. I'm unsettled now. I don't even know if she's close. For some reason, I feel a newfound urgency. Why wouldn't she just come down the mountain herself? Why send the moss as a signal? It's harder to see the further I go. The glow is fading. Even if the glow can get me there, the sun is going down, which will slow my progress. I can't lose the path now. A few minutes go by, and it's freezing. My quilt is still wet, otherwise I'd wrap myself in it. It was so stupid to bring this. I just couldn't leave Granny's things there. The glow is disappearing with the warmth in the air. No! The moss easily continues for yards more, but vanishes into the brush. When the wind sweeps my face again, I panic. It locks the cold into my damp hair. I watch golden brown leaves sail in waves from the branches, and I brace myself for the rush. I hold on to a tree for stability. The bark is cold. I push myself uphill again and leaves crunch under my feet. In a matter of seconds, the season changed. How? Looking north to the mountaintop, everything is visible through the branches. It takes a moment for my body to process the shock. The cold hits my fingers and cheeks first and then my core. I see my breath. I notice something like a narrow arch not far up the road, which plateaus and widens for the trucks that used to come through. It's one of the entrances. It's almost invisible the way part of the hill has swallowed it, with trees growing up the side. A rusty iron beam sits across the top, with old painted letters that read, Your family wants you to work safely. I force myself into a run to launch myself up the hill into the trees. The glow is almost gone. God damn, it's cold. Don't panic. Don't panic. I steady my breath so I don't affect the energy of the moss. What if the weather changes because of the veil? There's no consistency in time. What if I'm walking into my death because the darkness can follow us anyway? The glow is gone. I glare through the sleepy gray light to find a sign. I'm able to follow the moss for a few more feet before I just can't make out the path anymore. Fuck, I've come so far up this mountain from town. How much farther could she be? The trees groan like they did at the crossroads, exhaling toward the road. In the distance, I hear the wind trapped at the entrance, calling like a lost animal. Damn it, how do I find her now? I pull the quilt around me in my bag anyway, at least to brace myself against the wind. This is dangerous now. If I can't get warm, I might be in trouble with night setting in. (sighs) If B 
being a stubborn bitch made me lose Anna, then being a stubborn bitch is going to help me find Anna. I grip the quilt and sit on the frost-hardened ground. My foot feels weird, reacting to the cold. I don't have the same flexibility I usually do. I feel the pores in my legs open to release some water, making me feel totally fucking frozen. There's something else with my hands. I feel something pushed to the surface of my palms. It's not like the flame, which burns from within, but something cold and slow, oozing forward. I peel my hands away from the corners of the quilt, and they're sticky. It smells like sap. Ugh. I try rubbing it off on my shirt, which doesn't work. Okay, maybe I can use the quilt to wipe it. I feel my roots absorbing more water to handle the freeze. What's happening to me? I'm scared now. I'm not in control of my body. Like it's shutting down. Anna, where are you? Please. I place my fingers into the earth like the midwife did. Maybe this is what Anna tried before. I can listen to the roots to find the book. Press. Breathe. I want to feel the roots guide me, like the time we searched for Angelica. But in the cold, it's difficult. I don't feel the flex in the insects I did in the warmth. I don't feel the roots moving. Please. <laughs> My head hurts struggling to conjure ideas. If I can't follow the moss, and I can't reach the roots, then how am I going to find her? I feel my foot scent something. I worry it's going to burrow into the earth. Then I remember the midwife drawing it up from under solid pavement. I bury my hands into the leaves and frost. I'm shaking now. Show me the way to Anna. The ground crunches from deep underneath. I feel the soil and rocks shifted ahead of me. A small tree root pushes itself through the leaves and up the hill. Very slowly, other roots are lifting from winter sleep to weave upwards. I watch small shrubs and stones tilt to make way. I heave myself forward. My muscles are stiff and my hair is crisp from the icy air. My hands grip the whiskey bottle, thick with sap. At least I won't drop it since my fingers are frozen. I follow the roots slowly and deliberately upwards, giving them time to make themselves visible. I start to worry that we won't be able to find any more plant spirits if it's cold. What do we do? If it's winter at the crossroads too, then how long have we been missing? I feel dizzy. My foot is acting up. It's swollen or something. This isn't right. Why do I feel like passing out? Anna! Anna! Wake up! No, wake up. She's freezing and unconscious. I check her pulse. It's there. Her neck is swollen with dirt across it. She's pale. She looks like she's been here for days. Her arm is covered in moss. When I peel some away, there's skin scabbed over. I leave it alone. I check her head for wounds, but I don't see any. I gently shake her shoulders. Anna. She's breathing. This might be a bad idea, but there's no way to call for help, and I have to get her up. <clears throat> I lift her head first, then push her shoulders upward. It's like she's frozen to the ground. There are holes in her shirt and scarring on her back. 
I'll pull her to a sit-in position against a tree until I can figure out how to get her out of here. Her lips are blue and I start to freak out. This is my fault. This is because of me. She could die because of me. I clasp her hands in mine and breathe onto her fingers. Her hands are like mine. What's happening to us? When I look up again through tears, her eyes are open, barely. I can see her breath. She seems in and out of consciousness. Anna, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I place my head on her shoulder. My fear has caught up with me now and I'm a wreck. I hate who I am. I hate what's happening. I wanna go home. I feel her breath on my ear. She's trying to say something. It's okay, tell me. You can tell me. Her lips move, but I wait for her to get her voice back. I wish I had water to give her. She can barely lift her arm, but she indicates her throat. She can't talk. It's not dirt on her throat. It's dried blood. A tear rolls down her cheek. We're gonna get out of here, okay? We'll get you warm. I look around. How am I gonna lift her? I'll have to carry her down the mountain to shelter and then come back up and get my stuff. She weakly points to a cloth next to her. When I pull it towards us, something falls out of it. She panics and leans to grab it, but I collect it carefully in the cloth and put it in my bag. It's onion. She clasps my wrist and stares into me. It must be one of the plants we need. I nod and look around for the easiest route down. Anna shifts her gaze to the bottle. Her eyes grow wide, realizing there's no corn. But the mullen inside lazily flips back and forth against its glass prison. Anna, do you have the book? She cries and shakes her head. It's okay. Fuck the book. We'll find it later. You're alive. That's what matters. She leans back against a tree, clearly in pain. My foot is swelling and freezing at the same time. I feel the roots trying to settle and find a place to bury into the dirt. No! I need you to fucking walk me around. Shit! I can tell Anna has an idea. Maybe more than one by the look on her face. I wish she could say something. Every extra minute of exposure means a higher chance of not making it out of here. I feel the roots underneath us still teeming, forcing their way through dirt. They never quieted when I found her. The bark on the tree shifts. Maybe it's just the setting sun playing tricks on me. She holds up her hand covered in dirt and sap. I meet her with mine. She closes her eyes, and in that moment I feel the rushing of blood and the water I drank through my skin moving with my pulse. My lungs expand with cold air. On her neck, green veins are stretching past her wound and down her chest. She swallows as if she has water at her mouth. My pores open like before, releasing water. It runs to my roots and some upward through my hand and into hers. I can tell her arm is uncomfortable. I don't know how she lost her voice, but if the plant spirits can take things away, can't they give them back? I can't think about her voice right now. I just have to keep her alive. The moss on her arm moves. Somehow I think this is working. 
I sit closer and prop her arm on my knee, clasping it so she can drink more through my hand. I will my foot to stay still. I feel flashes of panic, like running from something. A fear of death. I feel the pace of something immediate, but I can't tell what it is. This is Anna's heart. This is what happened to her. I try to imagine details in my head, but nothing appears. I won't know until later. The veins in my arms are pulsing too. Green moves through my wrists. I feel the sensation I had with the mint. My fingernails sting, but I feel the electricity of being alive. A few minutes go by. She seems more alert now. The dark settled quickly. We have to go. With my other hand, I pull my phone out to use the flashlight. She gasps and struggles to nod toward the bottle. The mullen inside is still active. She motions for me to give it to her and I place the neck in her hand. Using her eyes, she tells me to look at the bottle. Oh my god, the glass bottle! Damn it, why didn't I think of it sooner? I don't let go of her hand. We have to think of where we want to go. We can think of town again, but we need to find the next plant spirit. In the book. She stares into the glass, gleaming harshly under the flashlight. It's warm. The sun is out. We're at an intersection on the main street. I recognize this. We're in Moss Hollow. There are the tracks. The dirt road stretches into a small flat field of corn. (laughs) Anna, you did it! Anna! She slumps over into my shoulder, and I reach around her back to pick her up. I know I'm stronger than I look, but I don't know if I'll be able to do it. There's a general store a few yards away and a garden out back with a bench. Breathing in, I use every ounce of strength I have to carry her over. At least I'm able to get her off the road before I have to set her down again. Eyes half open, she signals. It's okay, leave me here. The grass is warm and fragrant. I collect my backpack and quilt to give her something to lean on. There are radio wires running in all directions from the general store. They're held up by branches and fence posts, insulated by Coke bottles and other knickknacks. There's a frequency here that I can't place. I'm realizing that I shouldn't automatically trust that we're safe here. I don't see any moss, but there are people around and I don't want anyone to see us. Not for our sake, but for theirs. I can't tell if there's something dark here or if I'm just permanently uneasy from being chased across every hill to hell and back and having weird, inconvenient brushes with death all the time. I'm going to try to go inside. She looks concerned, but she nods anyway. I'm going to see if I can swipe anything we need. I look at Anna again, and I reconsider. Fuck, okay. I guess I need to have some ethics even when I'm invisible. I grab my wallet from the front pocket of my bag, and I examine the modern bills inside. Looking at the automobiles parked out front and the slow windmill one of them is hooked up to, I choose to take some coins instead. There's another shop, labeled Druggist, two doors down. I'm hoping they have some basics we might need, some aspirin at least, and I wonder what the hell anything costs. I'm also wondering if they have anything fun if I'm going to have to walk around in the past. There's a post office some unmarked buildings, and a few houses down the way. First, I'm starving. 
I have no idea how long it's been since Anna ate something either. I hesitantly approach the doorway of the general store. The shutters are mostly drawn to prevent the harsh sunlight, but through some missing slats, I can see a group of maybe 20 people huddled around a radio. Chairs and milk crates are pulled up. There is a woman drying glasses by a sink in back, moving carefully so as not to interrupt with noise. It's hard to hear, so I inch toward the door, vaguely looking for options. Shit. At the noise, everyone turns and looks directly at me. But we do begin tonight with breaking news, the desperate search for a mid- in New York, an Amber Alert was issued to believe that she is in imminent danger of serious harm. Drones, dogs, and boats are all part of what's being called an exhaustive search. New York is calling it every parent's worst nightmare and is now asking the public for help. Moss Hollow is written and performed by Melinda Beck, Original music by Kendall Winter. Mountain Foley by Melody Parrish. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week. Bye.